Many of the anti-LGBTQ plus narratives we hear are often framed as, think of the children. But what about the children? We're not hearing from these kids. Today, we're going to do just that. Not only are we going to hear from a child of LGBTQ plus parents, but we're going to get into the very important role that allies play in our community and the power of chosen family. This is Shining Through the Clouds, an exploration of the resilience of LGBTQ plus families in America. I'm your host, Eric Fleming. Meet Jaden, not a kid anymore, but truly one of the most delightful humans on the planet. Hello, I am Jaden. I use the pronouns she, her, hers. I am 21 years young. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I go to the University of Cincinnati. Jaden grew up in Anderson, a suburban neighborhood outside of Cincinnati, a place she describes as... There was just a lot of right-wing politics and viewpoints, which is totally okay, but it makes it a little tricky when you're raising and existing in a really diverse family. So I jokingly say that we're the most diversity you can get in Anderson. Two moms raising a mixed daughter. And those were identities that we owned, I think, very proudly, but also owned them in like very specific pockets of space. I don't remember us being, you know, the family that just was outwardly proud about their identity. It wasn't, but it also wasn't that we were shamed, if that makes sense. Just kind of was knowing the lines and trying not to step on toes while also existing and trying to take up space as a way to educate other people. I just want to note the complexity of the situation and the level of emotional labor that Jaden is highlighting here. We as queer people frequently have to make decisions about who to come out to. When is it safe to? Am I okay to wear these clothes? Will I be gay bashed? How loud and obvious can I be? All in the sake of making other people more comfortable. We have to do this emotional gymnastics every day. An additional layer that I like to note here is Jaden is a mixed race kid in an all-white, right-wing community. There's this additional nuance of isolation and otherness tied into the safety that children of color have to face that doesn't get brought into the conversation enough. Race plays a huge factor for children of color that are adopted and move into communities that don't reflect their ethnic backgrounds. I just want to name that. Let's pick back up with Jaden as she talks about her earliest moments of her family coming together. I don't really remember a lot of that time. To me, I really don't think much of my of my early life of like my mom being a single mom, but I think it is an important part of my upbringing and her story. When I was about four years old, my mom met her wife, Chris, and because I was so young, she really became my second mom. Not not my second mom. She she became my mom and grew into our family very quickly and put up with a lot from myself as a young four-year-old and my mom. I just learned recently, which I think is really cool that I don't remember how we got onto the topic, but my my mom was, I think, 22 when she had me. And Chris was 23 when she came into my world. And being someone who is almost those ages, I just, I am beyond grateful that they stepped into those parental roles at such a young age. I couldn't even for a second fathom being a parent, like at my age and in this time that we're living in, it's the last thing I think of. So they really showed up and showed out for me. This is kind of funny, but Chris is definitely like the dad gender norm if you know we want to play into that of like she's the one who's like make sure you're you text me when you get home make sure you're doing this 
are you sure you needed to buy Starbucks for the fourth time this week? Like, she's the very, I don't even know. She She's just the one who's like making sure I'm doing the right thing or, or being the best possible person. My biological mom, Danae, she's definitely the fun one. I think she was also the hard one. She she was always the one who we would get we would get into arguments and she would put her foot down. I don't I don't know. I don't think that I know I, I said Chris kind of played the dad role, but I really don't think that like there were gender roles or, or ways that those dynamics played in our in our relationships with one another either. In terms of soccer games and musicals and prom and everything. They were there for every single thing, and the both of them were there. I, I don't remember them ever like arguing over who who took me to practice or who picked me up, who came to what musical. They were always there, and almost all the time, they were there together. And if one was not there, the other was definitely there. It's a blessing, even now. Like I'm lucky that I went to college in the same city that I grew up in, and for almost all of my performances, they're still there and the both of them are there. And I, when they're not there, I'm sort of like, where, where are they? Like, where's my family? And it's just because they've been so unbelievably present in my life, which is something even your, your best of parents, you know, don't show up to every soccer game, hate to sit through the two hour musicals and all that stuff. But they were always there. And they made time for it um, amongst working full-time jobs, going to grad school, you know, the chaos of life and then being an adult. I had no perspective of it 10 years ago, but I, I have perspective about it every single day. When I come home and I think, okay, I need to start a load of laundry and I need to cook and I need to make sure that the light bulb gets changed or whatever it is. And then I think about having a kid running around, I I couldn't do it. And so they're they're really saints in my eyes. Something that's really common for kids of color and folks of marginalized identities is that we have to advocate for ourselves at really young ages. We're pushed into activism much earlier simply because of who we are, because of our identities. Picture it, Sicily. Only in this case, Sicily is the University of Wisconsin at Madison in the year is 2002. I was a freshman in college, and I can't even tell you how many times I had to teach white students about affirmative action and talk about race relations, more often than not creating an opportunity for these people to sit with these ideas and topics for the first time in their lives. It was truly every day. And I'm not being hyperbolic. Every day I had to prove to someone that I deserved to be there, why I was good enough and why I belonged. It was exhausting and traumatizing. I was doing extensive DEI work before DEI was a thing just because of my identity. Now imagine if I had been able to just be a kid without that weight and trauma on my shoulders, the weight of educating others and making them comfortable with me being there. I wasn't able to just be, right? My identity forced me to be an activist and an educator when my white counterparts didn't have to worry about any of that. We see with Jaden this passion at an early age to let people know who she was, who her family was, and that they deserved acceptance. This marginalization pushed her into a position of advocacy that had a significant impact on her community. Let's hear from Jaden. There's this story that, that my mom tells sometimes about how 
I asked a teacher, um, I don't remember the grade, but I had asked a teacher, we were doing Mother's Day gifts and I wanted to make two and having to ask for that and then being like, well, no, like we only have supplies for one or do you have a stepmom? And the answer was, no, I have two moms and that is part of my identity. To me, I never, I guess I never thought of it as different or or problematic. It was just unique. It was just part of, of my family. When I was in the sixth grade, I did a project on LGBTQ rights. And I remember that being like the first moment where I really claimed like my own identity as being a child of LGBTQ plus parents. And I there's this picture of me, I'm wearing like these red suspenders and this shirt with the outline of Ohio and it says love is love. And it was the it was a very big deal to me to be a sixth grader and you could pick any topic you wanted to present on. And that was that was what I, I picked. And I felt very strong about it and was proud of myself that day for standing in front of my, you know, what were probably 10, 11 year old peers and and saying, this is this is me. This is part of my identity. This is my family's identity and being really proud of that. Love takes off the masks we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. That's a quote from the brilliant James Baldwin. I think about this often when I consider coming out and identity. Masks provide us with a sense of safety, but there's limitation. I often think about what the cost of hiding is, of what we're losing by masking parts of ourselves that deserve to be loved and acknowledged. We give credibility to harmful ideas by hiding. In this next clip, Jaden talks about the difficult position her mom, Chris, was put into time and time again, of being misidentified and masked, so to speak, by other people. There was this lack of willingness on the behalf of other people to see Chris and her full identity. This mask ultimately imposed a type of harm, a lack of acknowledgement and invalidation, really, of Chris's role and importance in her family. In this case, the love of Jaden's family allowed them all to live without those masks that other people would impose onto them. This love allowed them to understand that they shouldn't have to live within that harm and limitation. Within our, just the three of us, the immediate family, I mean, there was no question of if it was right or wrong. But I think the second we stepped out into my grandparents' house or other bigger extended family members' spaces, there was kind of this mask put on of, this is my mom's roommate, or people wouldn't consider Chris to be my parent or have the responsibility of being my mom. I never thought that she was anything different or anything unlike a mother to me. Just because I didn't call her mom didn't mean that she had that place or space in my heart. I think it was challenging, though, in school settings, not feeling like I had recognition from older adults or teachers in my life that I really, I hate about our education system that we put kind of this Um, binary to, to families. I have to acknowledge the impact that this is having on me. Imagine not being recognized as a family for nearly two decades. Imagine being called your partner's roommate and not their significant other, your own family not even being willing to acknowledge you. And now, all of a sudden, being able to shed that weight. Ooh, that must have been monumental. Jaden is about to tell us about her parents' wedding and how emotional it was for her. Get your tissues ready, okay? Don't say I didn't warn you. But she goes on to talk about a part of them being able to publicly take those masks off when they got married. And it makes me think about all of the things that they were able to shed and how unfair it was that they even had to carry it in the first place. Here's that story now. 
They got married in 2019, 10, 19, 19. It was the funnest day. Thinking about it just makes me get emotional. They got engaged when I was, I think, in eighth grade. So maybe 2014 or 2015. And so obviously that that's four or five years, of, you know, quite a bit of time. And it was a beautiful, beautiful day. It was a beautiful ceremony. There was about 100 people, maybe 150, but it was filled with a lot of love and people that wanted to be there that had been a part of their story and their creation since the beginning when they first met. It was just a lovely day. Watching them be able to express their love was unlike any any marriage ceremony I've ever been to. I think it meant a lot more because for so long they couldn't get married. If they had wanted to, they couldn't. And I can't even imagine not being able to marry the person that I love. I couldn't imagine not being able to marry the person that I loved without everyone else I loved around me. My mom, her parents did not come to the wedding. So my grandparents, and that was really hard. I hated for them, for my mom specifically, that they didn't show up. If, if my parents never came to my wedding, I would never forgive them. And I know that they're not alone. So many people, people in the community, their parents don't, don't acknowledge their existence. They can't tell them that they love the person that they love or that they've created a life together or have families or kids, whatever it is. And yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget that day because of the immense amount of love that was there. But also because deep down I know that even though it was the happiest day, it probably gutted my mom to not have her her parents there and other people in her family who didn't come because because of the same reason. I think for context, it's also important that you know my mom was raised very Mormon. We have a very large Mormon family. Even though that's it's not my lived experience to be a member of the church, it's her lived experience. And so my extended family still is practicing in the religion and when you live in a in a family dynamic that again like we had talked about earlier is really patriarchal and built off of of the belief of the book of mormon and and of god creating these rules about how you live and who you love and your norms it's very hard to to identify as anything but the molly mormon as the, as they refer to it as I sang um, Can't Help Falling in Love. It's um, obviously the Elvis Presley song, but I sang a different arrangement of it. I love that song. Ingrid Michaelson sings it, and it's so, her cover of it is just so beautiful. And that was, that was the arrangement that I did. It meant a lot to sing at my parents' wedding. I hate singing in front of people I know. And as you can imagine, when I love people, I, I cry and feel emotional about it. And so it was terrible. I hated it. I like that's one of the performances I hated singing because I was so, so emotional and felt so worked up about it. But that song just is so special. The lyrics are wise men say only fools rush in, but I can't help falling in love with you. I think there's there's more lyrics that go on, you know, to talk about the struggle of of being in love and the and the turmoil kind of that brings love that pushes love back and forth into kind of 
this this game or this this action and I think it's really symbolic to my parents experience of being in love and also then having various barriers that that prevented them from proclaiming their love to their loved ones to their family members to the community to the world not being able to to legalize their love and and make it you know something that's binding in a legal document to me that stuff is frivolous but it's frivolous because i i am privileged to to be heterosexual so i don't have i don't think about that it's it's not a privilege to people in other countries or people with families who have very conservative religious beliefs or just conservative beliefs in general marriage is a privilege if it had been legal to marry that they would have been married years and years ago. I'm 21, probably sometime when I was 10, 11 years ago. I don't know. I just can imagine that it was very different. I remember pride parades looking very different. People protesting in a very different way. Those festivals being a a place of, of activism and demand for change. They look different now in a more celebratory way, or at least the one in Cincinnati, I feel like, does. But yeah, they would have gotten married earlier and it would have been a, a totally different world. Who knows? I, I could have been legally adopted by, by my other mother. I think there's a lot of factors that could have gone into play had marriage been legal from the start. In this next segment, we chat with Jaden about the idea of being an ally. Jaden says allies are a big part of the community that sometimes gets overlooked. Let me tell you, there were so many straight girlfriends of mine that were a safe space for me when I came out that truly saved my life. I love that Jaden brings this up as a form of activism. We hear so much about suicide rates of queer youth and kids running away from home, but I think sometimes fail to consider that the first safe space, and sometimes the only, safe space that young people feel is with their friends. Allies like Jaden do the work at a young age and go on to be leaders and creators of safe spaces for marginalized folks like me. Here's what Jaden has to say. Allies are a big part of the community that sometimes I feel like as an ally we get overlooked and we're the biggest supporters. So I think I've been an ally Obviously, as soon as I could really understand the term, you know, probably starting at about that sixth grade year of my life. But we, I grew up going to pride parades and doing pride night at Kings Island and being around people who were transgender or seeing drag queens and thinking nothing, you know, was wrong with it or out of the ordinary. And I think that as I've gotten older and as I have grown into a different lens and perspective about the discrimination that LGBTQ plus folks deal with and the oppression and the ways that our government seeks to, to hurt them, I only have grown stronger in my allyship. And because I, I am a child of two wonderful moms, I can appreciate it from a very different perspective. Although I don't identify within the LGBTQ community, it doesn't mean I'm not a part of it. I know people all around me that choose to identify as transgender or non-binary or they're bisexual, pansexual. Like, I, those are my friends. Those are my community. That's my family. I don't treat them any different. And I think that I've learned over, over the years how important it is to protect them and create spaces where 
they feel safe and just the same as someone who identifies as cisgender or straight that they feel safe. I think because I grew up around people who identified as queer, I I would always be able to recognize or spot when so one of my young peers was was going to identify as gay or come out as lesbian and they might not have realized it, but I was the first person they came to when they identified as as gay or queer whatever that they whatever they chose to identify as. I have friends that have transitioned and have gone through that process and I hope to think that we're still friends today. We may not talk, but in third grade I knew I was a safe person for them. I think that those people now in in our young adulthood are more likely to stay in touch with me or be connected to one another because we shared that mutual understanding of identity even even if i didn't identify as gay they knew that i existed in a safe family for them i have a wonderful friend who is very out and proud but 4 years ago if you asked them what they identified as they wouldn't have have told a soul except for for the few very close friends. I feel lucky to be a part of those individuals' journey and that they could be safe with me. Anytime that a person within the community is experiencing discrimination, we should all feel offended. We should all feel angry and upset and want to do something and take action. Just to be a safe person is to be an activist. To know that someone can come to you, that is activism. It's, it may not be the type that everyone thinks. You're not out in the streets protesting and, you know, wearing regalia, whatever it is. But you're, you exist and you are an activist. Something that I love about being queer is how significant chosen family is. There's something so empowering about identifying how we need to be loved and supported and then finding people that will show up for us in those ways, particularly when biological family won't. I talked with Jaden about the power of chosen family in her life. She then goes on to talk about how the LGBTQ plus community can be a unified chosen family for each other. As I mentioned when I was telling the story about my parents um, getting married, chosen family I think is everything. When your own blood and biological family doesn't want to acknowledge your identity or your personhood, you, you can't be alone. There is no such thing as as humans being alone or secular in themselves, we can see it from evolution and really scientific stuff that's just way over my head. But people need community. I have my fair share of gunkles and <laughs> people in my life that are not biologically my my aunties or, or my gunkles, but that they are family. And they would be the people that I think of immediately if I need support that I can't get within my immediate family. I think that chosen family gives us a sense of belonging and a place, a safe place when our own blood won't take us in and doesn't give us the space or acknowledgement of personhood. Within a larger community, I think that it's really important that the LGBTQ community creates like a unified chosen family, that there's no bias or shame towards individuals in their own identity journeys. I think we have a lot of discrimination towards trans individuals who want to identify as an identity that they weren't maybe biologically born with, but 
we don't provide them with the the resources or accessibility to to wear the clothes they'd like to wear or bind if they'd like to or offer healthcare in the way that they that they would like. So I think we have to remind ourselves that the community is chosen family and it's a safe space for all people to explore and identify however they want and look. And then it looks different for each person and it's on their own terms. We can't discriminate within the community. What we can hear from Jaden is that when we are talking about LGBTQ plus people, that includes their family, their children, and their communities. It's bigger than what we think a couple should look like. Our opinions impact votes. Votes impact resource distribution and access. Access, or lack thereof, impacts children. So if our key concern is truly the children, then again I ask, what about the children? If we've learned anything from Jaden, it's that when kids grow up in diverse, resourced communities surrounded by love, they have the power to change the world. Thanks for listening. This has been a Joy Channel production in partnership with Family Equality. As the leading national organization for current and future LGBTQ families, we work to advance equality through advocacy, support, storytelling, and education to ensure that everyone has the freedom to find, form, and sustain their families. Our executive producer is Luna Malbro. Sound design by Sean Braley. Music and music design by Will Clement of Ill Will Rhythms Incorporated. Story production and hosting by yours truly, Eric Fleming. You can follow us on socials at Find Your Joy Channel. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. That helps us out a lot. And spread the word. Send this to your friends. Send it to your mom and them. Take good care, y'all.